you would think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and it feels good to be back. Uh, joining me once again, Mr. Kevin Durso. How you been, man? <laughs> Does it feel good to be back? <laughs> so, it feels good to be back on the call. It feels good to be back recording the show. It, it feels good to be back behind the mic here, but, man, the product's been rough. We'll get into that. Okay. Now we're talking. Okay. So it just feels good to have something to do around it, but not necessarily what we have to talk about. Right. Although, okay. honestly, we picked a poor time to miss some shows because, by goodness, we have missed some big stories. Yeah. Uh, okay. So full disclosure, um, not last not last Sunday, but the Sunday before, I did attempt to make a short video. Okay. It just did not come across well at all. And I'm like, after a couple minutes of trying that, I'm like... I'm just giving up on this. I don't feel like this is even necessary. Let's just let it go. And I mean, that was so it was still so early in everything that was going on that we're going to kind of discuss on a broader we're spectrum. Dive into than, it in a second. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we're not really going to go game by game here. There's too many of them to describe from from most of them are fun. But realistically, from a really like honest to goodness, a really fun game that started everything. Because the very first game after the first show that we didn't do it was a lot of fun. They were still in a really good spot at that moment. And even the even the game that started what we're really going to dive into big time here, uh, you know, that was probably, again, another really fun game, all things considered. I mean, the first few were really fun and enjoyable. And then... And then the crash happened. I mean... That very first week that we didn't, I'm like, I have to figure out exactly when we didn't do a show. I guess the second week we didn't do a show. This wasn't as much of a disaster as it became, even then. And then it really just hit in waves right after that. Like, things got real bad and in a hurry. And I mean, and, yeah. And when things kind of hit their, I would say, pretty close to rock bottom, um, we did see a coaching change, and that brings us to our first major topic. Here. Yeah, I mean, so so here's the thing: I'm never gonna I'm never gonna sit here and complain that we don't record the show at our usual slot or whatever or whenever there's because very weirdly enough, two of the three weeks we didn't do the show, there were Sunday night games, right? And that's it, for me anyway. That's really weird. I'm not used to it. It's yeah, we don't like Sunday night games here just because it uh it disturbs our production schedule. Well, well, here's the thing. In fairness, I didn't mind the game that was on Sunday, the, fir the first one, which was in New Jersey. It's a road game. It's Sunday night. Actually, that was fine. I was at a wedding on the Saturday before, which took up my whole day. Um, literally show after, after that, that game. Well, and, and not only that, but there was a big kind of big breaking story that hit during that even because – the Islanders were going through a COVID deal and they postponed a game that afternoon that involved both the Flyers and the Islanders. So that right. happened. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And I'm not going to lie. I wasn't disappointed about the fact that it was, it was literally the only home game of the week. And I'm right. like, okay, so I don't have to go to one this week. Everything's going to be on the road. It's going to be do it from home. Cool. I'll take it. You know, it's been, the holidays were busy enough. I had, you know, you had the two road games leading right into Thanksgiving, leading right into annual Black Friday game, wedding on a Saturday day off, Sunday night game. Hey, by the way, everything's back to your usual by Monday. Right. That's a little rough. I'll take well, the I Tuesday think. night off. You know, I'll take the Tuesday night off and I'll enjoy that for what it's worth. Right. 
But that created like this big gap here, and you could start to see the writing on the wall with what we're talking about with Elaine Vigneault anyway, because you know the first few games weren't horrible of this of this losing streak that they went on. The loss to Tampa Bay was probably still a good one. The first the first Tampa Bay <laughs> I, we have to spe- to specify because they played Tampa Bay three times in in a very short stretch. Yeah. So the first loss to Tampa Bay when you are relatively outplaying them in the third period and just have it's been rare a totally awful goal that Carter Hart gives up kind of fluky there's two minutes left in the game and you feel like you just you feel like you just got robbed of at least a point Uh, no one's going to sit there and say they were assuming it was going to be a win but they were on their way to something possibly whether it was going to happen in overtime or maybe they were going to press and they were going to be the team that scored in the final two minutes and win in regulation somehow all right that that's an awful way to feel like you're going to lose a game and then Claude Giroux comes through eight seconds left big goal and given where things were at that given moment truthfully the roof practically came off the place oh yeah you felt like things were turning around because to this point this is a team I mean they hadn't lost back-to-back games all season to this point right everything's going the right way and almost everybody at that moment felt like you could just accept it for what it was right in that moment sure you're pushing the game to the limit they just tied the game. You're going to get a point. You felt like two minutes ago you deserved a point. You were about to lose one. You'll take it every day of the week. It felt like a gritty playoff-type win where you claw your way back oh, yeah. into it and just give yourself a chance. Well, and given who they had played, too, I mean, the win against Carolina is still fresh at that point, which was all Carter Hart. All Carter Hart, man. And, he's, and, and, he's had a couple games that like that and, this year. And then you could say the same about the Calgary game, but the way you played the Calgary game and the way you played it in overtime, you're feeling good about yourself because at the end of the day, what you're looking at is you're going three of your last five games have been wins, two-to-one wins, no less, against top-of-the-line teams. Top teams. Washington, Carolina, Calgary. All right, the loss against Dallas just wasn't there. All right, the game against Toronto, it just wasn't there. I mean, right now, you know, look at where Toronto is now as we talk about this. I don't know, what is it, about a month later? Like, Toronto's just rolling. Toronto has just lit it up. So to an extent, I'm not going to sit here and get super frustrated about the back and forth with it, especially when we consider from the Dallas game on, you were right back in the same situation that you were in leading up to that point, which was, you, the Dallas game, you got Ryan Ellis back and Kevin Hayes back, and then that lasted for a game. Ellis was back on the shelf right after, and Hayes lasted a game and, and had a much more fluky situation. Like That injury played out in front of us. It wasn't like, hey, he just tweaked something. Oh, well, like it was normal right. movement. We, we he got taken down awkwardly, happened. and something happened. Right. We knew that. All right, fine. So, But either way, you're back in the same spot. So it kind of did feel like survival mode again. They're they're sitting here t- giving you nothing on. I mean, to the point where by the end of the thing, Elaine Vigneault is not even giving true injury updates because he's going. I don't even want to put a timeline on it. Every time I say something, I'm wrong. Right. All right. Fine. So you're trying to deal without those two again, and you're kind of just playing the keep your head above water game. So when you can get a point like that against Tampa Bay, you'll take it. And they do lose the game in a shootout. Okay, it happens. And the Boston game that followed. I know it was 5-2, and people look at the 5-2 final and consider it this really lackluster game. It was tied at the midpoint of regulation. Right. It was it was a competitive game most of the way. It, it, it wasn't until the, thir- was the, the third goal. 
right. soon as they gave up the third goal, which came later in a period, and you were playing decently at that point, you had crawled back in from being down to nothing. You were tied again, and it felt like it, it, you're going to hear me say this a lot about a lot of the games co- that we kind of just roll over here quickly as we build on what leads to this big coaching change here is it felt like the air came out of the balloon. It felt like the snowball just started to build, you know, in that game, it definitely happened. The the Tampa game was just no match. I mean, it was the second Tampa game was just no match at all. That Flyers team didn't show up. And then the, the Florida game full, full marks to Martin Jones for what he did that night. He gave you a chance. He did his best Carter heart impression. I mean, and he, he gave you a chance and good yeah. for him for doing it. But Martin Jones it got just you felt that like, point. Absolutely. But yeah, oh, for sure. And and you know what? You felt like you could take that as a slight positive because at that point in time, it's not, you know, it's a four game losing streak. But they had a four game losing streak two years ago with two games that went beyond regulation. You right. got two points. It's like winning one out of four. You, you right. know, you, you still, you know, you still equate something. You're going to take a pause here really quick. And try to come back from like that out of your backup during all of this. Exactly. Something huge. Yeah. Right. And but you try to take a pause and you try to think that maybe maybe the thing that you can look to is not who you're playing, but you're going to have some gaps here. You're going to have, you know, at the time they still had a back to back the following week. But you have Friday, then Sunday, then to then Tuesday, Wednesday. Then look at this big three day break that's built right in. You know, how nice. How nice is that? You know, and Only we do. Right. Well, okay. So here's my here's my problem, and here's where it kind of starts on the losing streak, if you will. They were in that Carolina game way longer than the score would indicate. Down to they scored immediately after Carolina ties the game. Like they go up 50 seconds into the game, they give up the tying goal. They get a highlight reel shorthanded goal from Joel Farabee that just takes the roof off the place. Pretty. And then give up the tying goal again early in the second, but come right back and score again. And it's not like, and think about it. It's Rasmus Ristolainen who scores the goal, which kind of again because it was his first. It feels like everybody kind of gets a little fired up from that, and then like oh, yeah. right, and then like right away, the very next shift, you give it up again, and then you give up another one, not even five minutes later. Like all of a sudden, it looked like the de- defensive structure of a team of the team we saw a year ago, Things which which was not existing. Really, really leaky. Yeah. Right. So. So they look downright awful at that point, and that's how they give up six goals to Carolina. And you really needed that New Jersey game to be a shot where you put this to an end. I mean, it was already up to five. You're playing a team like New Jersey. There's your there's your break. There's your spell. By this point, we know that the Islander game's off, which was going to pit the pretty much the bottom two in the division at that point. Which would have been it would have been a curious thing to see. I mean, I would have loved to have seen what the Flyers looked like against that team at that time if I they think the allowed team them to play. The chance to play that team, probably. But but see, there was also no there was no harm in sitting there looking at the game ahead and going, you just got an extra day off. You That's get two true. now you get two days between your game against New Jersey, whatever the result may be, and the Rangers who are doing really well. Right. So you have some time before like this isn't Tampa Tampa and Florida back to back. Right. You know, which that's that's why we give full marks to, um, you know, give full marks to the game to Martin Jones in the game against Florida for doing what he had to do in a back to back to get a point. Like Absolutely. we knew that they were going to be spent in that game at some point. So that but that New Jersey game, just total missed opportunity because you get the game tied in the third period. It's early. You look like you have a whole third third period ahead of you to play that tie game. Maybe next goal wins kind of thing. And then you just got totally sloppy again. 
Yep. And it just looked awful. And that that's the way it goes sometimes, I guess. But, like, geez, it was just bad. And, and then the Ranger game, like, tensions are mounting already at that point. It's up the to, you know. not doing well. Well, no, but, it, but now you're up to six. So tensions are mounting. It's not, now you're not just in the little, hey, we lost a couple, you know, a couple in a row. First back-to-back losses. Not three or four. You're getting to a point where you're losing six in a row and you're falling further and further behind. So the question is, the question on Elaine Vigneault is already out there by this point. And I don't blame them for trying to see what would happen for a little bit there. But to me, I was sitting there looking at that week going, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if something didn't go right against the Rangers. This thing's over. Like, his time's up. Right. I mean, you, I got can't, three I day, you got three days to gather the troops for whoever the new coach right. well, is. And, because I, I just couldn't see them. I mean, and they're going this route, so I don't want to make it seem like I, like, you know, I guess I, I guess I didn't know it. But it, it seemed like I just couldn't see them going the interim route here because what good was it, would it do? What's the difference here? It's going to be the same, pretty much the same style because they already know the coach that you would be bringing in. Right. Like, it felt like what they really needed was, you know, and it's... I'm trying to talk from where they were at that moment because the more that we kept seeing, the more I kept changing my tune, you know, right. like, and I real and I, and I don't want to let, you know, we have what the losing streak became. I don't want to let the weekend change my mind per se, because it, I, it shouldn't change anybody's mind. I mean, I had, I had to write a takeaways article, which I literally just published before we started doing this, that tried to make it like clear that, Wins are wins, and you got to accept the back-to-back for what it is. And make no mistake about it, winning a couple games in a row feels good for a team that hasn't won a lot yep. in the last month. So that's going to be a nice little flight home. They get to relax. yeah, sure it is. And I don't know. I, I like. I don't want to make it sound like oh, they're on the they're back on track with two wins in a row. Here comes the here comes the winning streak. Here comes the little rally. Get you back into it. Like. You almost shouldn't want that. It's hard. It's sad to say, because right. well, because, because okay. So let's get to the actual meat of what's on the screen right now, which is right. which is this decision. the The Ranger game was not very good. I mean, they they had a good effort. I don't want to say they didn't play like they could have won the game. They got you know Shesterkin was really good that night. They probably had they had their moments where they could have been right in that game, you know. If they could have built on what they had kind of started in the second period, where they did get one goal back, it's three one. If you make it three going to the three two going to the third, maybe you oh, got it's something. anybody's ball game. Absolutely. Right then, then maybe you got something, and maybe it's a because it's now a one goal game. Maybe it turns into something. But three one going to the third just felt like if they could just stick to what the range, if the range could just stick to what they were doing, they would find a way. And and they did. I mean, by that point, it just felt like everything was deflating and. Just Starkin was. On top of his game, he yeah. But you could feel mind. like you could feel at that point. I, I have to see because didn't he make? Yeah, he the Flyers outshot them thirty four to thirty four. Yeah, right, thirty three or thirty four. But he, the Flyers outshot them thirty four to twenty eight. So the the push was there, you know. Sure. Um, but you were like, there's so many things that Elaine Vigneault was doing at that time, post game anyway. That that I can't even remember which games they're after to talk about it. But like, uh, there was a lot of. Desperate, you could hear desperation in his voice. You could hear a lot of frustration. You could start to see the shift here where he was. 
I don't want to say putting it on the players, but he kind of was shifting some of it to the players to oh, an extent. I mean, sounded like a, a cornered animal. You know, he's fighting for his life a little bit. One of the games, I, well, I definitely think that this was after the Ranger game because their next game didn't go very well. <laughs> you know, after that, but one of the games you got like you got you got a very like he started talking like I think somebody turned around and said something about can you take a positive from like the way either the way you played or something like that, and it might have been that Ranger game because they were playing better process wise but it wasn't the result and and he turned and he said we can't take anything we need to just win a game and it, this is serious here and so like and you like the not no pun intended here but like you could hear the seriousness in the this is serious here thing right. but i thought what was really telling was he said something along the lines of they need to win games and i forget which game this was maybe because i feel like it was maybe it was the carolina game because i feel like it was a home game and he had said they need to find ways to win games two to one or one nothing. And doesn't that just put a ton of confidence in everybody that basically you you have to play perfect defensively in order to win a game at that point? Like no pressure. Play a perfect for white, defensive game. Get ready for white knuckles and high blood pressure. And and if it came after something like the Carolina game, which is what I'm thinking is because I feel like I was in the room when it was said. Then think about playing, and I don't, maybe New Jersey, you could have felt that way, but think about playing the Rangers and saying, you can't give up more than two, or give, can't give up more than one. It's got to be a 2-1 game. Think about playing Tampa coming up after that and going, you can't give up more than a goal against Tampa, even without guys that, that are really good. Right. So that brings us to that final game, which was just a total mess. 7-1. I mean... To one. <laughs> I mean I, I'm trying to go look at the box score really quick because I want to just see how quickly they played. Like they played a really good first five minutes, and I know that that means nothing, but they played a really good first five minutes, and it felt like yeah. again as soon as when as soon as the rain as Rangers as soon as the, I'm thinking Rangers because Ryan McDonough scored the first goal. That's why I'm I'm on there. Ugh. As soon as Tampa Bay scored the first goal, and you know with Ryan McDonough scoring the way that he did, which it wasn't like it was a point shot or anything like that. It was a rebound. He drove the net. Nobody was really there to pick him up pretty easy stuff and as soon as they scored that goal you started to sense that the tide was turning already they got another one a minute later Corey Perry scored at that point and they kind of gave up I wouldn't even say they gave up like the first period it's still two nothing and then it's this, as soon as it built in the second you know because you can come out after a first period like that and and let, let's face it that was the Boston game all over again because Against Boston, they were down one nothing at the end of the first, but it, it became two nothing like fifty seconds into the second period. Right, you can dig down at that point and look at what your winning streak or what your losing streak is, and say, "Got to find a way." And against Boston, they did claw back and get it to two two, and set it up where maybe if you can get the next one, you're on your way to not even having a losing streak. You right. know. And instead, they gave up another goal three minutes into the second period, another one just shy of seven minutes in, as it just as as the wave just kept coming, and, and then the mistake that Carter Hart makes with the while shorthanded, just the giveaway and and the goal, which Bad. literally literally moved in slow motion, of which at that point in time, like I think after that happened, all I tweeted was, "You can't make this up right now. Like <sighs> you can't make what just happened up for one," and. And then everything that happened right in that moment honestly felt a little wrong. Like, they pulled Carter hard at that moment. And I'm like, 
you got to back to back the next night, unless you're planning to play him again and trying to just get him out of here as soon as possible, which they didn't. They played Martin Jones the next night on top of here's half the game left against this team, you know, right. which, 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 by the way, on that, on that given moment, didn't have Braden Point, didn't have uh, Nikita Kucherov, didn't get the best performance offensively at all from Anthony Sorelli or uh, Alex Kalorn. Really? Well, no, but they, but they're in your top six for Tampa. Right. On a good night, they're still in your top six. So, you know, Stamkos contributed but didn't score a goal in that game. Th- those two didn't contribute anything, no points at all. Hedman had a three-assist game, so he did did do some things there, obviously. But but you're looking down the list of the goal scores, and you're going McDonough, Perry scored two, Radish, Kachuk, Joseph. Like Kachuk's first of the season, right? First of his career. Radish had career, Radish right? had Radish had his first of his career the night before in Boston, and then scored again. Pat Maroon is scoring a goal. Perry is Perry is not only scoring goals, but making moves on Scott Lawton like it's 2007. You know, like Corey Perry went back in time and turned back the clock and all of a sudden was, dang- and, for a right, and was dangling people. Right. Like, come on, you know? I think he was... No, he wasn't. Oh, and by the way, on top of all of it, in goal that night for Tampa Bay was the backup who was a former flyer who had all four starts all season, Brian Ooh. Elliott. Yeah, so like, come on. Like, the stars were aligning for you that night, like to an extent against Tampa. And, oh, but, yeah. your confi- and- but your confidence is shot when you've lost six in a row coming in and it turns into seven. Or, go- or seven in a row and it turns into eight. I'm sorry. And I think Tampa had like a crazy schedule before that, too. It was a it was a played, loss yeah, for Tampa. Five and eight. Yeah. Five, five games and eight nights. Like coming into Philadelphia at the end of this long trip, you're on the road. That's a scheduled loss. You're supposed to lose that game as the Tampa Bay Lightning. Even if you don't lose it as the Tampa Bay Lightning, because you're really good as the Tampa Bay Lightning. You don't win the game seven to one. Right. You don't do that. You don't. You don't dumpster fire the Philadelphia Flyers to the point where they fire their coach in the middle of a home and home back to back. Which is exactly what surprised me. It wasn't. It wasn't that they did it. I felt like the right to me the writing was on the wall in two different ways. It was either going to happen after the Ranger game, and when it didn't, when it was, we're going to get a couple good days of practice in. All right, fine. You're going to get a couple good days of practice in. Sounds great. When they lost the way they did on Sunday, I looked at ahead he- head and just went, to an extent, show me the win for the rest of the week. Which one of these is a win? They're no, no. they're not gonna be they're not gonna be Colorado. And then I'm not con- they've already lost to New Jersey once, so I'm not confident. Vegas looks like a loss. And then you go, then well, Arizona's pretty safe, hopefully. It should be, but if you go into that game having lost eleven in a row and <sighs> you're and you're incredibly fragile. If you don't come out of that one, I don't know how you look at the fact that there's two days before your next game and don't make a change. That was it for me. Top of your head, don't look. Yeah. How many points do the Flyers have? Oh, in the what for in in the the season in the 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 standings for the season? Um, now it's right now it should be 24. They have 24 points in 26 games. Right. Without looking, how many points do the Arizona Coyotes have? Twelve. Twelve points. Oh, I knew that. I knew that already yep. because of the fact they that well, five twenty and two. Because okay, because regardless of what would have happened, or regardless of what happened against Vegas, Arizona played the same night. And if Arizona would have won, like I just would have thought it would have been interesting because I I really didn't give them a shot against Vegas. Period. I did no, not I give agree. them any shot. So 
I'm sitting there thinking they're coming into this game. They're going to be on 20 points. And now I do have to look at all this because I don't know where everybody is. Um, but I knew where, off the top of my head, I'm like, just go into the league standings and go. Vancouver's already passed you at that point. Chicago has passed you to that point. This is going into Friday. So Vancouver's passed you. Chicago's passed you. Seattle is right there. Yep. And Buffalo good, is good right Dave there. Dave Haxtell. Right. And Buffalo is right there. Like down to one or two points for those teams, and they're going to pass you. And the Islanders, I'm looking at, and I'm going, they're, they've got games in hand, and if they can just win one of these, and if you don't win this weekend, they're right on your heels. Yep. And then and then you get head-to-heads against the other ones, too. Like, imagine if Arizona swept out the weekend and got to got to 16 points, and then you've got Montreal's at 15, Ottawa's at 17, and you play them next week, and you're stuck on 20, and there's no end in sight to this thing? <laughs> Can you imagine where you might end up? You're going to be a bottom five team. You're going to end up with an empty building is where you're going to end up. I don't know if you're going to end up with an empty building. It never seems like they do. If you go 16, 17 losses deep like we're talking about, theoretically. Well, it doesn't matter anymore, man, obviously. come on. Yeah, it doesn't really matter anymore, obviously. Right. And and look, I'm not trying to sit there and say they would have. Like, it, this is. I'm saying this is how the narrative shifts from one direction to the other a little bit. Like... I'm not holding my breath that they're turning the season around because they won back-to-back games over the weekend, okay? But I do appreciate the fact that after this week happened the way it did, after this move happened, and it's been like, it's been a lot of fun watching the way this week has kind of developed from that standpoint because of the fact that... Kind of in the way that watching a car crash is fun? Well, no, but like, hear me out because there, like, now there's almost been playing with the fact that there's a coaching vacancy in Philly because... Once this happened, there and they are didn't, names out there. Well, and they didn't go immediately to somebody. They kind of just pumped the brakes. They're like, let's see what happens. And which is kind of why, like, I don't know how you should feel. Like, really, honestly speaking to Flyers fans, I don't know how you should feel about back to back wins and the pro and the possibility of playing the teams that you're going to play next week, because it's it's not impossible when you look at a team that finally like I, I even wrote in the takeaways. Take even even take the shutout loss to New Jersey in the middle of the week that was downright awful for a team that should have had had a pulse at that point. I blocked that game from my memory. Right, I, I, you should, Oof. but that should have had a pulse in that game. You know, something that should have been going right. That's right up there. Even the Calgary game, the four nothing Calgary game from earlier in the season, easily their worst game of the year. Easily their worst game of the year to this point. But you even including that game in their last four games. They've scored 14 goals all of a sudden. They're at okay. their best. They're at their best offensive production point since the first three games of the season. Well, and hey, Kevin Hayes is back. Maybe. Okay, listen. I'm well, Kevin go Hayes Rose, is not. I'm gonna go rose tinted glasses here. If the Blues can do it, we can do it too. Coaching change. Big old losing streak. <laughs> it's time. Let's go. Still plenty early in the season. There's still 50 some games left. So wouldn't wouldn't it be ironic? If you, like you bring up the Blues, Mike Yo is the guy who got fired from that team. I know, right? You know, to now be the guy who comes in and is supposedly the savior. I mean, I don't see it that way. I'm not gonna sugarcoat that. Listen, y'all know me. I'm the rose tinted glasses guy, right? Like we gotta or, go. We're rose all or orange or whatever. Yes, yeah. I got you. <laughs> but nonetheless, like no, because I don't. I don't know any other way than to just tell it like it is and. <laughs> the I, team sucks. Let's put it this way. I didn't write takeaways after Monday. I just wrote, it's time to tear the thing down. 
Here, here's my thing though. It's kind of hard to go back on that one, by the way. If, yeah. if you lay it out there, you're not wrong. And like we, <laughs> we, we've kind of talked a little bit about a rebuild and the group chat. Even though we haven't had a show, you know, the group chat has been quite active, and we've talked about a lot of things. Yeah. Do you want to know something that's ironic too? By the way, I was thinking about this. Yeah. I'm sitting there on that Monday morning, and sure enough, here it comes. Elaine Vigneault has been fired. It was about Frank 10 a.m. Frank had it first, I believe. It was about 10 a.m. Usually, I'm, like, quick to hit you guys with that type of stuff, like it's happening or something like that. Like, I did it with all the signings and yeah, trades and whatnot. you're pretty good. You're pretty good. Do, do, do you know, honestly, do you want to know why I probably didn't, to be honest? <laughs> because of the fact that I really didn't expect it that particular day. Okay. Like. There's a game later that night. I didn't think you would do it on a day like that. Like very game clearly, day. somebody, right? Or just even even off of a back to back. I didn't I think it would happen. I wonder if there was a, an incident. No, I don't think there was an incident. I'll kind of yeah. okay. So now now I'll I'll get into as much as I think I know around this particular move in a second. Then, yeah. So it, it it definitely like I had just published a takeaways article from the Sunday game, maybe 15 minutes earlier. So. I'm just kind of sitting back at that point, and then the report was out there, and now, like my entire day has just like I, I'm I'm no joke. I'm sitting here thinking I've got legitimately a day off here. They're not right. gonna pl- they, they, obviously they just you know came in you know there's no I, they 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 didn't have a practice that day, so they were they weren't gonna practice again until Tuesday, or or oh, no I'm sorry it's game day so it's mostly a day off. Like all I thought I had to do was get a preview together. And there's another game later on tonight, and it'll be a normal Monday game day type thing. But I'm going to have a gap here. Like, hey, this article's done. The takeaways are done. I don't really need to get the preview out until about 1 o'clock. I'll have some time. And then after that, I'll have more time to just very casually go into when I want to go down there. And and it just turns your whole day upside down because it's get a story together on the fact that he's been fired. Now await the press conference that's coming at noon, right. which – you know, obviously, I, I had to go with them because when a coach gets fired. Oh, no. By that point, we already knew. Just cl- oh, OK. By that point, we knew about Terry too. Yeah. Okay. So Michelle Terry out as well as an assistant. So, so we, we knew, knew all that. that Mike Yo like, was going to be the interim. Yeah. By that point, everything's kind of circulating like all that happened within the first hour as I'm trying to get a story together. But then it's press conference at noon. I had a really weirdly flexible radio spot that day because I was supposed to go. Originally, I was going to go on at about, I think, three like 330 340 something like that and then i got bumped back a little bit because look it's it, there it's no secret when you're going on a 4 for 4 station you know and it was the day after an eagles win right like you're not you exactly fit where you fit well not only that but like it's the day after an eagles win and in terms of that like it was their coach has a press conference and they air it you know so like they're sitting here going it depends on how long that press conference is to see where the slots line up. Like I get it. I totally get it, which is why I ended up doing the spot before I even left for the arena that night, as opposed to, I could have tried to bust it to get down there. If it was going to get delayed until after four, I could have, you know, there's like, I had a couple options. I just sat it out. I'm like, I'm literally dressed, ready to go down to the game. I will literally do this and then put the computer in the bag and go right. like, that's it. Get out of here and, and, and move on. And, but 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 basically, it takes up your whole spectrum of time. Like literally, the breaks that I had in the day were enough time to eat before going to the game and and get a shower before getting on, like going on right. air and get, going to the game. That's what I had time for in between all of that craziness. Because in the back of my mind too, I'm I'm 
to get into where I'm going with what happened in the game after and and all the things that kind of played up to kind of start this whole week in, in bigger terms here. There was like in my mind, I'm already thinking about where I wanted to go with the next day's thing, which was like, listen, this it, it can't just be the coach's fault at this point. It can't be because. Yes, look, did you change half the roster over? Sure, you did. But did you do the right stuff? Like, we we admitted that there were certain moves that they made that we said, listen, it's low. It could be low risk, high reward. They're not expensive moves. They're not long term moves, but they're gambles. They're still bets. You're still sitting here if you're Chuck Fletcher and you sat there in the offseason and went, here's my chips all in. Let's go and see what we can get and see if this is what works. And you traded a bunch of guys and he did. And and in the beginning, there was there was promise there. And. Then there was nothing. There was no promise at all. It looked like it didn't have a direction. And at the very least, that's what helps fuel the argument that I'm making when I said tear it all down. They don't really have to work that hard to tear a lot of it down. Right. They've got they've got 12 players on expiring contracts right now. You're not wrong. And that includes like that factors in the extensions that they made at the end of all of this for two more players. Right. They're, they now have long term deals. The thing for me is is that you're not doing anything to generate much buzz if you focus on the one-year guys who literally were probably always going to be one-year guys more than likely. Like, right. you can – and I, I sit there and I feel this way. I don't know if you can get something for Keith Yandel down the line. You might be able to. He's a veteran. He might be valuable to a he playoff roster for depth. somewhere. For oh, that, that's still something, though. That's yeah. what I'm trying to get at. Like, I'm not, I'm not shooting high. I'm saying, can you get a pick for – like, a mid-late pick for him? <sighs> Can you get a pick for Ristolainen, even with salary retained? Um, yes, that I think you can because no, because people will still look and go, he's a minutes eater. Like that's true. You can, and, and again, same thing. And as he's much as big, and big he's physical, and, and he's physical, and the guy's yep. never played in a playoff series before. And if you put him in a Fair playoff enough. series and say go, because the physicality in the playoffs take reaches a new level. Uh, right, say go nuts, kid. Have fun. Right, right. And if he can tow that line, maybe draw some penalties by getting people pissed off at him. You, you do it, you know. That's fair. But but Probably I wasn't even, I more. I wasn't even jumping to him per se. Like I, that's a good. It's it, that's if a really we're, good. For breaking it down, he's gone. Oh no, but that's a. I mean, it's a great name to go to. But I was starting really right. low and then <laughs> okay. going from there because like fair enough. Tr- no, because like truthfully, Derek Broussard gets you a pick. Sure. There, there's not a playoff team out there that doesn't look at their depth and say. We all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I thought you I, like. I thought you had no, an no, audio. No, sorry. Okay, there's not a, there's not a playoff team out there that doesn't look at a Broussard type player and say I couldn't you know I, I don't that. I don't want one of those right. for the playoff push because it's just one death. way or well because it's one way or another there's two ways that that type of player helps you. How much he did either, Vegas give up for Thomas Tatar? Oh, that's a good question. Wasn't it was, like a first and a third or something ridiculous? Like. That's exactly what you're looking for out of Derek Broussard, right? Like, I don't know if he's quite as skilled as Thomas Tatar at this point, but no. But like, I would like, honest to goodness, I think that and Thomas Tatar Brass- ended up being a healthy scratch. He was just depth for Vegas. They Brass- just didn't end up using him. Broussard has to be able to net you at bare minimum the same, if not slightly more, than what you got from Michael Roffle. Yes, like Michael Roffle got you a fifth. Okay, Broussard's got to get you bare minimum a fifth. Maybe like a third if you're lucky. Yeah, I don't hate that. And and you take the pick because of the fact that 
you need to stockpile picks and use them to your benefit. However, like you can just as easily package picks and get maybe like let like let's let's break it down this way. One of the best one of the reasons why and I I've, this is a great tab to put up because I've compared this a lot to the Rangers of a few years ago. The Rangers kind of had to slowly but surely build it in a certain direction and and did it get listen did it get accelerated by some luck? Ooh, sure, it sure did. did. Well, it got it got accelerated by luck in two areas. Luck in the sense that you essentially won two lotteries. Right, a sense uh, in Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere. Right, which you get. Okay, that's two players that you didn't think you were going to have that you end up having. Right, but Certainly the lottery's not helped. rigged though. It's okay. Sure. Um, so you got those two that you kind of lucked your way into through the lottery, but you but you also had like you were the destination that Artemi Panarin wanted. If you weren't, right. you know, if that didn't play out that way, who knows what you're doing? But same with Adam Fox. Adam Fox forced his way to New York too. Jacob Truba did. Fo- did Fox? I didn't realize Fox did, but 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 that's well, why let's, I was. Let's put it this way: he forced his way out of Carolina, and then also his way out of Calgary. I didn't realize he did. He did all that. I knew he about sure the did. trades. Okay, I didn't realize it was actually there was a backstory to it. But but Fox no, yeah, crossed. He wanted, but that he was, wanted to go be in New York. But okay, but then that's where I was going with it though: is that Fox. The cost for Fox to for the Rangers from Carolina was two draft picks. Sure, but he won the you, Norris Trophy. Who cares? No, I get that. What, but what I'm what, what <laughs> I'm trying to get three in the reigning Norris winner. You'll treat okay. What that. I was trying to what I'm trying to get is that is if you stockpile draft picks, having a few picks just in various ranges can lead to hey, you have enough picks to package them for maybe a guy who's an unknown at the moment. You take a shot on his development. I think the bigger concern is that. There's a lot of teams we're seeing that know how to develop their players a lot better than the Flyers are developing. <laughs> like, like the Flyers don't have anybody that you sit there and think, "Oh my goodness, that guy's lighting up." I mean, I've come wait, away wait. from this entire exercise with two names. I'm not moving. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, let's see if we agree here. I, I think Carter Hart's a pretty safe one. He is. Now the other name is not quite as easy. Honestly, because you could go a couple different directions here. I'm going to throw a couple out, and then I'm going to, and then I'm going to kind of give my final guess. Uh, you could go Ivan Provorov. He's your stud defenseman. You got him signed kind of long term at this point. He's wearing. I'm just going to. By the way, I'm just going to let you roll through. I'm not saying. Yeah, word. absolutely. I know. <laughs> um, you could go Sean Couturier. Uh, probably your best player, um, probably your C after somebody else uh, may or may not leave this year. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, you could go, you go a couple different directions. I personally, and this may or may not be a biased take, would go with Joel Farabee because I love me some Joel Farabee. Um, there's a, there's an argument for Travis Konechny, although I think he's pretty movable, honestly. Um, yeah, final answer, Joel Farabee. You got it. Bang. Oh. Love me some gold. Now, 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 listen. Okay, first of all, by the way, before we let, let's put this little footnote in the past here. Tatar was traded to Montreal along with um, along with Nick Suzuki for a second and Max Pacioretty. Okay. Um, and then after after which, like eventually, like he, I think everything else since then was free agency. I don't think he ever got traded after that. Oh, really? 
Oh, okay, hold on. Wait, wait, I'm so sorry. There should be a trade before that, how he got oh, to I, Vegas. That's right. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, to Vegas. Okay, first round pick in 2018, second round pick 2019, third in 2021. Right, 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 right. It was a first, a second, and a third for a guy that Vegas ended up healthy scratching in the for playoffs. A, for, for a guy that also has done next to nothing, in, even in like after signing in New Jersey. Crazy. All right, so back to, back to, back to Joel Farabee. Um, okay, so, right. So if we oh, are by the talking... Way, by the way, footnote in the middle of all this, because we didn't really touch on the details of some of these games. Joel Farabee got hurt in the middle of this losing he streak. Yes, so, he's and, and he's week to week as well. So, like, when it rains, it pours because they if, had just gotten Kevin Hayes back again at that if we point. Were doing a week, if we were doing weekly shows, it would have been a major topic. But uh, in a month-long recap, well, it's a little tough. Okay, listen. Never have I been more satisfied with not doing a show last week than waking up on Monday morning and getting that news drop at 10 a.m. That's fair, because that like, would have been rough. Like, I looked at that, and I went, I have a feeling we lucked out by not having a show at this point, because That's... I, like, now, like, what happens, like, if, like, at that point? Because I came out of that that Tampa game going, that's the game, that's the type of game to get your coach fired. That is exactly <laughs> the type of game that gets your coach fired. All right, so let's go to the the what's next thing, the breakdown of like where I'm coming from with this. All right, first of all, you didn't want to say his name. I will say his name because I haven't been afraid to say his name over this whole course of time. You already know what I'm going to say, so so brace yourself because it's I'm coming. So it's the rea- it's the reality. Insert you need to sit- poet society, Jeff. <laughs> you need to sit down with one Claude Giroux and honestly, no, and just here's here's the thing. And I'm, ask him where he wants to go. No, because I don't think it's that simple. He's got a full no move clause. It, it kind of oh, is that simple. No, because the th- it, 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 the full no no move clause is why I'm saying that. Because what you need to do first and foremost is make sure he's willing. Because he has to be he willing will. to do it. I think so too. He's but, a competitive but, guy. He wants. But my out. my point is because everybody comes back to him, and and I, and I understand why. You you just said Sean Couturier is probably like your best play. Like uh, to me, he's still your best player. Drew is still your best offensive production player. I don't disagree with you. Oh, offensive production player, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, who still who still like whether so he's ask, your best defensive you player question. or not. Yeah, go let, ahead. Let me ask you a question. Right this second, yeah, without a cup, is Claude Giroux a hockey Hall of Famer? That's tough. Um, because I think if the answer is he has one Stanley Cup ring, that is a yes. It's close. I will give you that. Um, I think it is a firm yes if he gets a ring. And the fact that he doesn't have one right now might keep him on the edge. I need to look something up really quick because I'm doing this. So you go ahead and tell me what you're thinking. So here's what I'm you, thinking. You, 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 sit think... down, you sit down with Claude and say, hey, Claude, would you like to go into the Hockey Hall of Fame? Okay, great. Pick a team. Do, do you, do you want to go try to win a cup with the Colorado Avalanche? How about the Boston Bruins? How dude, about... you're reading, dude, you're reading my mind with some pick of these. Pick your team. I, I literally, I've literally said if you put Claude Giroux on Colorado or like some a team like that, like that's the type of team that Colorado's the type of team because they can't they can't do this just all on their own. Toronto just like, put Marner on LTIR. They can fit Claude in. Yeah, but nobody's gonna do this now. They're <laughs> no, gonna I do know, this in but... March. But but like here here was here was exactly where my thought process was with this. If Colorado 
has somebody like let's say let's just hypothetical here. If Nazem Kadri gets hurt in February, they're the type of team that should be calling the Flyers, going, "How much for Claude Hello. Giroux? I I want this guy." Because because think about it, oh come playoff God. time, it doesn't matter anymore. Oh my God! Imagine playing against the line of Nazem Kadri centering Claude Giroux and like Andre Burakovsky. Do you want to play against that line, dude? No. And also, by the way, that's the second line because you still have to deal with Nathan McKinnon, Gabe Landeskog, and Miko freaking Rantanen. Good luck. Good luck. Seven games. Good luck. You're not exactly. going to last seven games. Good luck. So let's all right. So let's who try ca- to make. Who cares if their goalie is a wet paper bag? And we'll talk about paper bags in a minute. But <laughs> uh, who cares bag. if their goalie is a wet paper bag? They're going to score 78 freaking goals. Yeah, for what it's worth, by the way, Colorado in the last week or so or a couple weeks has scored as many goals in their last, like, I don't know what it was, like 13 games that the Flyers had scored all season. Yeah. More than that. like Sounds about right. All right, so I wanted to do this because this is what's going to try to make the argument because Claude Drew is closing in on – well, let's talk about Claude Drew in a couple ways. A, he he got a big milestone over the weekend – Yep. And then has a couple more that are coming up rapidly. So this weekend okay. he became the franchise leader in playoff or in power, in power play, play points, points. Right. passing Bobby Clark. Okay. 334 is the current yep. number. And and I don't even think that that's maybe no, it's not. Okay, never mind. He didn't have a power play point in Saturday's game. Never mind. Okay. Well, that was the record-breaking number. I don't know if it's if No, it's I know, happened. but that was that was the only one he had in um Okay. That was the only one he had in Friday's game and then they did score on the power play in Saturday's game, but he did not get a he point didn't on factor. that. Right. No, because it was a connecting shot. James Interim's like deflected it, and I think Yandel set him up. So I think it was one of those. Um, but anyway, th- so the next upcoming milestone that I'm referring to is he's two points behind, literally on the po- all-time points list. He's two points behind Bill Barber. Yep. That's now in Flyers history that would be second. Wow, that's crazy. Um, in um in NHL history. If he passes Bill Barber, he is 125th. Okay. Which, listen, there's been a lot of players in the NHL over uh, well yeah, over a hundred year history. So if you're in the top 125, top you've done something right for sure. Let's put it this way: obviously, he's already in front of one Hall of Fame player in Eric Lindros. We know this, <laughs> but he's he's in front of. Let's put it this way: let me now. I, I don't want to stop here because like. He's in front of these guys. It could just as easily be a different I'm sure story. He's in front of a lot of Hall of Famers. No, but I'm gonna ask. Like, okay, um, like I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to find a good name here. There are a lot of people in the Hall of Fame. All right, let's let then let's let's play a game. Okay. There's a guy on this list. There's two guys on this list then that I think could qualify. One is not as much of a goal scorer as the other is. So I will say one guy scores a lot more goals than. Like, it makes up a good chunk of his points total. So, you can factor that in. But both guys definitely have playoff success to their names. Okay. So, that if if you think that winning a cup changes the game for him in a Hall of Fame discussion, for Drew, I mean, then changing then winning cups changes the game for these two, obviously. Okay. So, okay? is one of them Alexander Ovechkin? No. Oh, okay. So, Ovechkin's, a Hall, Ovechkin's a Hall of Famer whether he won a cup yeah, or not. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so let me let me give you point totals because Claudio's overall point total, by the way, is eight eighty one. Okay. So one guy who I'm looking at has seven hundred and ninety seven career points, and by all accounts is done playing. By all accounts. 
Okay, hockey reference still has him labeled like an active player, but he really has not been active. Oh, is this like a like a Pavel Datsuk thing? No, it actually okay. is. Even even though yeah, like you're on the mark here because Ilya Kovalchuk is like that too. Okay, and he's not really active in the NHL, Fair even enough. though he, even though he has an active contract in the right. NHL. Um, good old LTIR retired. Right, but not this guy. This guy legit, I don't think has a contract. Like he does not qualify, Did, but um... he has. 700 Marlo there uh marlo's gonna have way more points than that marlo's over a thousand oh you're Easy. right you're right and marlo marlo already is gonna make the hall of fame with or without a cup because he played in the most games in nhl history yeah, and you're right and and backed it up Past with like 40, hey, how to do it well and backed it up with hey listen he was a good point producer for a lot of it like he backed it up he's crossed the, he's crossed all of the thresholds you need to cross to be a Hall of Famer, whether you have a cup or not, like That's Claude, like Claude is not going to score 500 goals, and Claude is not going to probably maybe won't have a thousand points. It's going to be tight, and he won't. Do, he, Depends and, on how and, long he plays. Okay, and I'll make it. I will make a counter argument for the thousand point thing in a minute too. By the way, I think thousand points is actually pretty doable because it might be doable for him. Get over 900 this year. Okay, it's probably doable for him, but I'm going to make a counterpoint for that in a second. But who's he who's might, the player? Do it in a Flyers jersey. That's going to be the sad part. N- well, yes, but that's that's actually not the footnote I'm going to go to because it's going to be a, okay. it's actually going to be a pretty I don't want to say legitimate comparison, but it's going to be by the era probably a legit comparison. <laughs> All right, so hit me um, with these names. Okay, so the seven seven uh, I'll start with the seven ninety seven because it seems like you're really at a loss. I'm going to, I'm going to say another yeah. one and you're going and you're going to get it. Okay. But seven hundred ninety seven points, which ranks where was it at just now? One hundred seventy sixth all time. Justin Williams. Now is Justin okay. Williams a Hall of Famer? Probably, and, uh, and I'm sure a lot of it's fueled by playoff success. Guy won That's cups. Fair. Guy was a game. Guy was Mr. Uh-huh. Game Seven, yep. but he had that kind of career as a normal regular season career. But people think he's got a Hall of Fame case because of the playoff success. Flyers legend Justin Williams. Okay, now let's do another one. Twenty points lower on the list, so he is tied with. Okay. He, this is perfect because this guy is not only tied for 187th with another Hall of Famer, but is also two points behind a different Hall of Famer who also, if I'm not mistaken, I have to double check. Let me double check. Who also never won a cup. Okay. Hit yep. me with it. Never won a cup. Okay. So who do you think has the 777 points? And I will tell you off offhand without having to look it up, at least half of those points, if not close to more, are goals. And he is Same still an active. Uh, no. Or um, Many... does he have a cup? Yes. Okay. He does. Is it he, Jeff okay. Carter? Yep. Okay. That's what Jeff I was Carter. thinking. Okay. No, J- <laughs> Jeff Carter is tied in points, by the way. Now, he's obviously going to move further ahead by the end of the year, no question. But he's tied in points with Rob Blake, who who's a defenseman. So I'm going to like take that with a footnote. But he's two, he's two points behind Pavel Bure, who is That's a Hall good. of Famer and never won a cup and had only 779 points. Okay. So, like, you don't have to reach the 1,000-point mark without winning a cup to, you know, like, get there. So, Drew's got a shot. I'm not trying to say he doesn't. But you didn't answer the question. Is what, Claude is Drew he? a Hall of Famer? I, st- I still think it's a tough case, and I will tell you why then, because here's the comparison I'm going to make. The 1,000-point threshold. Don't me a yes or a no. Because I, I, I know I'm saying I don't think he's going to. You say, you're saying no? You don't think I'm saying, right now I'm, Claude Drew is a Hall of Famer? I'm saying no, and I'm saying like I'm saying okay. he's I'm saying he's got an argument. Like I don't think he'll be dismissed right away. Like get out right. of here with that discussion. But I don't think he makes it ultimately. And and I'll go into it based off of this. Then 
There are 92 players in NHL history who have reached 1,000 points. That usually, usually is a marker for you got, you're going to get there. Oh, like yeah. 500 goals is 500 home runs, and 1,000 points is, you know, 3,000 strikeouts, right? Like, you, you've done a lot over your career. It gets recognized. Like, for example, the most recent addition to the 1,000-point club came this year. It's Ryan Getzlaff. Is Ryan Getzlaff right. a Hall of Famer? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. The guy right ahead of him, who was previously the last or the lowest player out of the thousand point club, one thousand four points, is a player that we all should be familiar with. Maybe not necessarily like you or I by playing, but we all are familiar with the name. He's not a Hall of Famer. He could be. He's got a case. And I think that he actually is very representative of what Claude Drew is to this current era in Flyers hockey. Okay. And no, this player did not spend his entire career as a Flyer. Okay. Hit me with it. Got any, okay. It's Brian Prop. Okay. But Brian Prop has over 1,000 points in his career, could easily qualify as it was. Like, Brian Prop was getting picked up and playing on national teams with the likes of Gretzky and Lemieux. Like, playing on Canada Cup teams with Gretzky and Lemieux. Right. You know, factored in as one of those types of players. And yet, as much as he was that kind of player during that time, and they had teams that made cup finals, and obviously Drew's teams have not, they never won under him. And it's like, here's this really talented guy who's going to go on to set, I'm not going to say set flyer records, but he's right up there. He's top five in flyer everything. Goals, points. He does have the record for power play points. Uh, Drew does. I'm talking about Brian. I'm talking about oh, right, Prop. Right, right, right. I'm like, sorry. Brian Prop was also like Drew was two years ago or last year was passing Brian Prop. Now right. he's about to pass Bill Barber and stuff. Like it's crazy. I think Prop was also. Only, a, and there's only one name left on the most lists for Claude. Right now, the difference between that name and and anybody else on the list is that's the captain of the team that won. Yep. Like that's the difference. But I must say, to me, that like I I find that argument to be so similar to the argument for Brian Prop. Like Brian Prop actually does cross the threshold for a thousand points though and played and did not like I I have to click I don't think he played it he didn't play a thousand games because only one flyer has ever played a thousand. And we both agreed that we think Claude oh, no, okay. Prop, kind Prop of crossed played, that thousand point threshold. Okay Prop Prop did play just over one thousand games because he did play elsewhere. He was he was traded to Boston in nineteen ninety and then for the last couple of years of his career, he played three in Minnesota and one in Hartford. Okay. And then that was it. So he did have a couple of years, um, you know, like, like, I don't know, you know, like if he doesn't have, like if he's got an argument, but isn't in and doesn't ever seem like he's never the next guy on the list either. You know what I mean? No, like, he's not like a when, name that people talk about. Like next year, when you think of who goes into the hall of fame, when they decide to announce the next hall of fame class, just a, like a handful of the names that are getting like play for this guy should be in like you're getting, you know, Alex McGillney is a guy who keeps getting brought up. Like, why isn't he in yet? Rod Brindamore is even getting brought up, you know, as why, like, why are Rod the bond? Here? Come on. Oh, I'd love for him being a Hall of Fame. I, I still want him, you know, and he's got a good team this year. I'd love for them to find a way to win a cup under his leadership, because let, let me just say right now, if. Cool. I don't, I don't. I don't even know how many years has it been with him in Carolina as the head coach. 
because he's been with Carolina forever. But he, how long has it been since he was the head coach? Four, Four years? Four-ish years? Five Cause years, Because the reason I'm saying is because, like, in hindsight, if you don't go – if you don't go – I hate to say this now. I really hate that I'm going here. If you don't go Dave Haxtell and think about him, and I know it's a total, like, hey, it was – it would have been totally typical at the time to sit there and go, we're bringing back the ex-flyer. But could you imagine? People love this guy. Man. People love playing for this guy. But he seems the like he fits is, perfectly. He there. loves Carolina so He does, much. and he fits in there so and he fits much. in there really well. You know why he fits in there really well? Because it's low key. Yep. Absolutely. I guarantee you any wiggly wearing flip flops and he's fine. Yep. I was gonna say yep. he could probably he can walk the streets and not have an issue. But you know why? He can walk the streets because he doesn't have to live in the in the exact location of the arena he can live in the countryside somewhere to and enjoy fair, privacy to be fair i've lived in that area in north carolina there's nobody quite as attractive as rod brindamore there he's a handsome man <laughs> tell me i'm wrong sure. no i mean whatever <laughs> i you know i i don't know how we got here um <gasps> Yeah, so uh, all right. This is so always a Rod Brendamore appreciation show. All right, so let's go let's go to the coach thing again because the names that were out there, right? Oh, but okay, I guess th- to finish off on the West next thing, I need to finish off on this because well, Yeah, one I, one more thing about Claude Drew actually before we get off it. Regardless of his Hall of Fame status. Yeah. He's a shoe-in to get his number retired, right? <sighs> I don't know because Really? Because they don't captain do for a decade. Because they the because, only good player on the franchise for like several years there. Because they don't do it for anybody who doesn't make the hall. That's the thing. Like, yeah, there are let's put it this way: there are guys who make the hall who they don't even recognize the right way. Oh, that's fair. I mean, but for like, God's like, look, okay, look, they treat I, their captains well. Though. Draw, uh, draw, okay, draw between, read between the lines now, just a little bit here, okay. <laughs> And I'm not trying to say there's any influence on one thing leading to another here, but there's a name who just went into the team's Hall of Fame who also was at the top of the list of coaching candidates. Like, it it doesn't – it's not I'm lost. I'm still not convinced it's not happening. Okay, but listen, it's not lost on me that the guy was in town three weeks earlier for a Hall of Fame ceremony, uh-huh. schmoozing it up with Dave Scott and, like, everybody else who's in upper management and probably in all that stuff for, for a couple nights to then – be in the, inducted into the Flyers Hall of Fame. Well, you saw the and, bit. You saw the bit of him on the TNT set, right? Where he like rushed off the set to take a phone call. Did you not see that? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. I used it. I made it a takeaway. Oh, it was funny. Be, well, because I, I the way I even shared it because I, I retweeted it and I quote tweeted it and I said, "Look, whether there's something to it or not, this is funny as hell because oh, they're it's totally because because let's put it this way." I saw mixed. I saw mixed stuff because I saw people who were. I I saw people. I saw three different responses to that. I saw one one which was he's coming to Philly. Two was he got the phone call from Fletcher and told him to f off. And and three was this is such a bit. I'm gonna say two sentences and they're both true. Okay. Okay. I like Rick talking a lot. I think yeah. he's very entertaining. Yeah. Second sentence. I don't want him anywhere near my my bench. Okay. I don't want him anywhere near my bench. We talk about the team struggling to develop players. We talk about no. Keep Rick talking away, please. I like him a lot. He's entertaining. I want to have a beer, play around a round of golf with him. I just I don't you, want him head coaching my team. I okay. I think you're putting too much stock into how much the head coach of the NHL team handles. That's the fair. Like that. That's my I'm, bigger concern. Like, 
I'm concerned about his deployment of young players and how that would hinder their development. It, okay, so the re- here's the reason why I wouldn't like I would do it. It's not the, you're saying keep him away from the bench. My answer is keep anybody who's an established NHL coach away from the bench. Like, do not give like John Tortorella's name is out there. I feel you know Claude Julian, Mike Babcock. There are people out there who are sitting here saying keep waiting out the Islanders because if they don't turn it around, then Barry Trotz will be out there and you can hire him. I don't want any one of those coaches around the team. Like. The last thing you need is a guy like that, first of all, who comes in and the whole purpose of him coming in is I'm here to give the team a kick in the ass. I don't think that's what this like that's acting like what's still here, like what the what they've built for this year is actually going to amount to is is going to amount to a winning roster. I just don't see it. So I, I brush that off right away. The second part of it is, is that you also give yourself expectations that it will turn around and will for a longer period. How do you like what do you think happens if you bring in a coach like that? You know, you're saying we still think we can win right now and it's un- and everybody's underachieving and blah, blah, blah. Like, like enough of that stuff. You've already had, and I, I let off with this in one of my radio spots this week, you've employed in your team's history five of the top 14 coaches in wins. You just fired the guy who's eighth on the list. In, within the last decade, you fired the guy who's, I think, 11th on the list or something like that, or he's he's somewhere in there. Because Laviolette's on the list, and then, and then you've had, you know, Ken Hitchcock is on the list, and he's like fourth on the list, and you've had two other coaches in in their time who, at the time, were just starting out on what led to or could have been high end near hall, or, well, in one in one guy's case, a hall of fame career because Pat Quinn is in the hall of fame, but like you've you've had guys who eventually became coaches that everybody knew as revered as top of the line NHL coaches down the stretch because Mike Keenan was that way too, you know. I'm just going to say it, and it's it's something I've said before on this show, and it's something I okay. feel pretty passionately about, and I think you know what's coming here. Go ahead. Talked about the coach firing with my, my dad and my uncle in a group text, and yeah. my uncle talk, my uncle brought up Rick Tockett, and I said, you know why I don't want Rick Tockett behind the bench? Because I don't want another one of Paul Holmgren's buddies. I don't want one of the old boys club. I don't want another retread. And to me, that's what hiring Rick Tockett represents. Okay, but all right. So my counter, all right, I, my counter to at least one of those points is it's not as much of a retread as some of these other coaches who continue to get bounced around every other year. I mean, any let's put it this way: if you think Rick Tockett's a retread, then then guess what? I have news for you. Everybody who's at the top of the list actively in wins is a retread. Oh, that's fair. Down to down to. Vancouver brought in Bruce Boudreaux, who has also coached what three other teams, like within recent memory that we can like actually tap back into. Like, I would like to see Travis Green, honestly. Okay, you're not that far off. You know who I actually said would be the right type to bring in. Okay, I, I'm not saying this guy; it's this guy, but the right type, David Quinn. I don't hate David Quinn. Get me, and you know why. And this is why, and to be honest, this is why I don't mind talking. I I understand where you're coming from. To be honest, to counter your point about it being part of the old boys club, if you will, I'm just sick of I anybody don't know. who's affiliated with Paul Holmgren. Honestly, okay, I will tell you for based on what I feel anyway. I don't think Paul Holmgren's got his fingerprints on this organization near as much as you want to believe. Good, no, good. So and that, I'm hoping that's right, the case. So that in like so that in this in that sense, if it does become talk it. I don't think he had anything to do with it. Okay. 
Truthfully, okay. As long listen, as, as much long as, as much as still firmly has the reins, I'm okay. Oh, with I don't that. know if he's he still got the reins. I wouldn't call it firmly. <laughs> Fair enough. Because well, no, because let's be real. We're now we're going right back to the beginning, kind of in a sense, where we started with like the fire with, with him getting fired, and I'll yeah, tell you why. When AV got because, the AX. Yeah, because because. I don't think that that was all most like I I don't really think it was Chuck Fletcher's idea. I think that after a seven one loss to Tampa Bay, Chuck Fletcher got a phone call from Dave Scott, and basically it was, "Are you going to do something about this? And what's the easiest thing to do in December? Fire the you coach. know, what's the easiest thing to do? Like I think that this had a lot to do with that, which which really should just frighten you." If that's if this is the guy who is calling some of your shots, you should be scared. Well, you run into this problem in every city. You see it in Boston or in, in Buffalo. You see it in Edmonton. You see it in Winnipeg. These ownership groups. You see it everywhere where ownership meddles. And one of the they responsibilities do, but... one of the responsibilities of your GM is weathering that storm and managing up to his relationship with the owners. Yeah, they do, but like I don't know. Um, anyway, back to I'm trying to get back to where I was with the other stuff. Okay, because no, okay, so talk it to me if they made him the coach doesn't change anything about expectations, which is my goal. I don't want a guy with expectations. I don't want a Tortorella. I don't want a Claude Julian. I don't want a. I don't even want a Barry Trotz, and I love Barry Trotz as a coach, but I don't even want that because to me that says there's expectations. The guy's either won a cup before or he has come close before and he's won a lot of games. You're not bringing Barry Trotz in to go through a two, three, four year rebuild. You're just not. Right. He's not interested in that at this point in his career. But that, but this, but see, here's the problem with that, that what you just said, because you said the right word. You said, go through the rebuild. They need to say that themselves. Yeah. If no, if they don't acknowledge it, then you're gonna get a patchwork kind of guy, and right. they could very like they could very well bring in Rick Tockett, and and I could look at it and say, I don't hate the hiring because his coaching career is less than stellar. He gets a good amount out of the players that he has in on rough teams because you're not gonna sit there and deny the guy coached Arizona for how many years, and like they won a playoff series under him at least. So you know this was mentioned on Thirty Two Thoughts, um, the, this topic kind of Rick Tockett to Philadelphia as the coach. Yeah, Jeff Merrick asked, "Well, he's the Rick Tockett whisper, or uh, he's the Phil Kessel whisperer. Does that mean Kessel ends up in Philly?" To which Elliot Friedman responded, "Well, I think Kessel was going to end up in Philly anyway." Pardon? Do you know anything about this? No. <laughs> okay, I don't know where this came from, but it, according to Elliot Friedman, according to Thirty Two Thoughts, the podcast. For yeah, but for what? Like, Why? that's what I'd love to. Like, know. I have no idea. Is, is Arizona yeah, but, not quite bad enough for Phil? Uh, that, that's just that's that's another viable question. Why is this viable? A question is for what? Like, right? Like, like what would you be giving up to acquire him? For who? For what? <laughs> like, there's it's no, just, there's no purpose. No, there is no purpose. Um, JVR sent like, his contract to the desert. Ooh, no, see, well, see, at that point, I'd do it. Uh, you're not wrong. Well, it, 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 isn't Kessel up this year? Correct. Okay, see, that's why I'd do it. Correct. Like, I, I, I could, res- 
Like, honest to goodness, that's when you make that trade. Uh, yeah, I'll trade for a guy who's going to last for the next couple months if it gets rid of another contract, and they and they eat the salary, too. Like, if, if that's an even one-for-one, one, hey, we'll take JVR's salary, oh, my goodness, I would be jumping to do that because then you then I'm going to get the money back anyway. Oh, absolutely. I don't even have to keep, I don't even have to keep Kessel. <laughs> no, you can flip him. Well, no, they don't even have to flip him. You can get him for the rest of the year and say, you're riding it out here. What's the difference? That's true. And then and then go there. I mean, I don't care. Do whatever you want. That, that would be, that would be the, honestly, that would be sheer brilliance from Fletcher if he did that. Because, again, that it actually opens up more money if you do that. Let's go. If you if you traded, legitimately traded James Van like and somehow didn't retain salary because what you brought back was Phil Kessel, Holy smokes, that would be a deal because that because you just opened yourself up. You like so the, much money just got free. So much money to at least free. do something. I mean, my issue, what I keep coming back to as an issue here is I don't know what you do. Right. If you still want them to tear it all the way down, then a couple extra million doesn't really make that much of a difference, to be honest with you. Right. If you don't if you don't intend on being good this year or next year, you know, you're not quite as incentivized to get rid of JVR's contract. Because you're just not going to be good anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's that, that's the thing like, to me. There's so much that needs to be done. And the issues were very clear when you actually they weren't winning on Monday. We all knew that too much had happened. Not enough time to process it. Honestly, I give them credit in their own right for making that actually an entertaining game yeah, was that was fun. modestly competitive because it didn't even have reason to be because no. they, it was pretty well known. They weren't going to win that night based on everything that happened. Wednesday was totally unacceptable. And that's where the red flags come in because you did have time to process it now. And you should have come out with just a total, you know, you should have come out with as much fire as the dog in the house burning down meme. Right. And didn't, you know, like, you came actually. You came out with the energy of the dog sitting in the burning house. Everything's fine. So that's the like that's part of the big issue, and I don't. I just don't see anybody. Like I, I come back to what I said earlier. Carter Hart's here to stay, and your goal right now needs to be truthfully. I don't care if it takes three years, five years, whatever it takes. If you build this thing. You have to do it in the course of that time because you still have time with him. Yep. Five years from now, he's in the prime of his career. By all means, get it done. But do it for him. See, here's the problem. and I love Carter Hart as much as anybody else. Everyone here, everyone who's ever listened to a minute of this show knows how much I love Carter Hart. Mm -hmm. Do you suffer from the problem of Carter Hart is too good and keeps you in and wins you too many games for you to truly be bad enough to be going through a rebuild? Not necessarily. You because you trust your not... coach to not play him as much? A little bit of both. Okay. Do you get, and, you get and, what and I'm I saying? Because if he's going to be as spectacular well, as we think I'm, he's going to be. Well, I'm saying a little bit of both because inevitably he's going to also have games like Sunday where sure. it just goes totally south. So he's not going to win every single night. As we, learned not the going UFC, to as we learned from the UFC event last night and Amanda Nunes getting tapped out, you know, even the best in the world have an off night sometimes. <laughs> so he's not going to steal you games every single night. He's doing it a lot, but he's not going to do it every single night. Right. And then I do think that if you brought in 
not the right coach, but if you brought in a coach who understands, like, like think about think about it from this perspective. And the only thing that's support like that can't relate in this in this moment is you're not sitting here having a com- competition among like Carter Hart versus Blank, both in the same boat as young guys who are trying to win a job. He's already won it. We all know it. Like he's he he had he had it won after his first rookie season, let alone the the really good year where they got to the playoffs, and then the, even the awful year it was still about building him back up. Yep. But it, but if you if you were to do it like the Rangers, for example, where you've got two guys, both can start, both can possibly win, but they might not win a whole lot, and you can kind of balance them out, and you know, like the issue is that you you very clearly have an advantage with one guy in net over the other. Right. And so I don't know. That's like it's really tough. Like you, you, you know, and you, and you definitely know, you can't just tank. It's not that simple. Well, right. And the other part of that is a a coach is never going to coach purposely to lose games. Players are never going to play. I'll tell you why that happens. Well, right. Players are never going to play purposely to lose games. A tank has to be initiated by the front office. They have to, right? You have to put a bad coach in place, or you have to put crappy players on the roster you have to bog things down you have to interfere with the day-to-day roster like you have to drag things down if you want to tank because players are playing for contracts and coaches are playing for contracts right it's it's the scene well no it's the scene out of Moneyball where he's going down to the manager where billy beans going down to the manager and goes you can't play pain today and the guy goes why not i I plan to and he goes you got to play hatterberg and he goes why he goes because i just traded him the general manager comes in and literally tells you, "Here's why you can't play. Right. He's not on our team anymore. Right. Go on, now play the next guy." And it, it, and it, it, to be honest, that's how you're gonna get a lineup where your fourth line is Ooh. your Patrick Browns, Zach McEwens, Connor Bunnemans, and you get that for a while. Like it might have to turn into that yeah. a little. And bit. I know we talk about it a lot, but man, Zach McEwen's fun to watch. Zach McEwen. Uh, let me say this about Zach McEwen, and I will. And, and I, this is backing up what I'm trying to say. He's a restricted free agent at the end of the year. I'm signing him, Keep and I'll him. tell you why I'm no, and I'll tell you why I'm signing him. It has nothing to do with it. he's going to make him better. It's I'm not trying to go anywhere next year or the year after. So you know what? I've got his rights. I might as well sign a guy for cheap who's going to play at least with some entertainment value. He's Absolutely. not going to score goals, but he'll fight a guy maybe for me. Uh, yep, he'll, he'll bring you what you need when you're going through a tough rebuild. You got you need somebody there to protect your young players. By the way, I need the guy to score a goal though again at some point. Oh, and I'll tell man. you no, no. I'll tell you why. It's a funny. It's a funny story. Are you putting a dollar on it every game? No. Okay. That's not what it is. Because he's due, man. I wouldn't blame you. No, but I gave people good betting advice on the air on Friday because I told people take the over and it did hit. So first period. No, 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 not Monday. Oh, okay. Friday against Vegas. I said take the over, but wait, the Flyers have to contribute to that over. So I don't know. And then they still scored four goals. So funny. It worked out because oh, believe me, I I gave full disclosure. I'm like, do not take my advice. Don't take my advice on this. No, this actually, but it is actually station related because I went on at one point or not. I went on. I was listening at one point in time, and and they were talking about the the Flyers and, and and it was it was the one night they had lost a game and it was awful and. McEwen was the only remember McEwen was the only guy getting good shots. Yep. He was the only guy getting even anything worth noting. Only guy generating any sort of offense. He looked like Joel Faraby <laughs> for most of last well, season. Well, I'm listening to the show and all of a sudden I hear the host of the show turn around and say something about and by the way, who's Lightning McQueen out there? And now I need him to score a goal so I can post a Lightning McQueen gif just to Man, That's really funny. Yeah, I need to do it. Like I so need this to happen so I can post that. And just say, look who scored, Lightning McQueen. Uh, yeah, but Zach McEwen's been a lot of fun. 
It would be funnier if the guy's uniform number was 95. That would be hilarious. That would be good. If he changes <laughs> it next season, we know why. No, I, I don't even think he knows know. that that exists. It was literally, it was literally a play on. I don't even know who this guy is. And I, I like, I sat there for a second. I'm going Lightning McQueen, and then I, I thought about it. I went, McEwen, oh, McEwen. It's, it's pretty close. Yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it now. Okay. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, like to me, I, I, I totally a thousand percent understand your premise with Tocket. Totally a thousand percent get it because I got to ask the same question. Do you? You really want to go back down this road like it's the former flyer? It's this like, yeah, I know. My thing is, is that you, there, there's multiple. We already stated it. There's multiple coaches available who fit the bill of high end, top of the line coaches. And you don't have to. Let's be real. It's been talked about a lot. They they owe Elaine Vigneault 13 and a half million dollars over the next three years because they fired him halfway through the third season of his contract. Yeah, and by and the there way, was questions. I do want to say were... about that, mm-hmm. I think Elaine Vigneault got done a little dirty because he just he never got a regular season. The last regular he season but... he was coaching, they were the hottest team in hockey going into the pause. Yeah, but the, the thing for me is, is that he never really showed a good ability to adjust to anything. I agree, and I don't think that's entirely wrong. But I would have, I don't know. I think I would have given Elaine Vigneault the end of the season no matter what. Mm. Pretty close to no matter what because he showed you in 2019-20 that he could turn it around and he could get a team going by, you know, the spring, by the time we get start pushing for the playoffs. The problem with that is, though, is that you're going to face the the very tough line to cross whether or not to, like, it, it becomes one of those things where you go, because how, how many people did we hear say after the Tampa game? Well, you have to do something at this point. Well, that was really the only something they could do. Out uh, short, short of sitting here saying, Chuck Fletcher, you're not in charge of the team anymore. That was the only other thing they could do. Yeah, I suppose. I just, yeah. No I, one's bailing. No, because no one's going to bail them out. You're they, right. You, and I think, you don't I think, think he it, lost the room. Oh, I think so for sure. Because. And, I agree that when he loses the room, he's got to go. Like I, I, I get that. I don't listen. I, here's here's what I'll here's what I'll say to this. I don't know. I don't know that it's going to be one guy's fault over the other per se. And just hear me where where I'm going with this. Because there's a lot of speculation that the way that the off season just went had a lot to do with the coaching staff. Bring us these types of players, and. It wasn't specifically, it wasn't down to a science where they went, like Elaine Vigneault wasn't sitting there going, bring me Cam Atkinson, bring me Ryan Ellis. That's exactly what we need. No, no, no. It wasn't that per se, but it was, it it, it started to evolve to that. I'll say that much because I'm, I can guarantee you that after a certain amount of time of sitting there and there's nothing going on, like it was, go out and get me Keith Yandel. Go out and get me Derek Broussard. I had those guys before. I can make it work. Go get me those guys. Like, I believe that happened. I don't believe it happened with Atkinson or, or Ristolainen or with Ellis. Right. But, but at the same time, I do think there was an emphasis on go get me veterans who don't allow this stuff to happen, who don't allow the room to get so bad. Right. And I almost think that that's trying to take an easy way out. It was literally trying to take an easy way out to, to a sense of not necessarily results, but to take it an easy way out to – if we hit adversity, if we lose a couple in a row or three or four, it'll stop because these guys will keep be level-headed and they won't let it get to them. And 
it's the frustration will get to them. And it's funny because I think he did his job a little too well. I, I think the room was pretty united. They were just kind of united against him. Against him. Like when you put Kevin Hayes and Keith Yandel in a room, they're gonna be friends. They're gonna chit chat. They, they, they seem they like the kind of players that can unite a locker room against a coach. I don't. But I can't. Hayes played from for almost his entire career. I can get it if Yandel doesn't love it, but I don't know, man. Hayes, like Hayes, pretty much like things turned at the end in New York, didn't they? Didn't they get nasty in the room there? I, I I think that was just collectively though, and Hayes just happens to be by a byproduct of it. I don't remember it being nasty specifically with but him. We've heard about Elaine Vino really grinding on players after a little while, and Kevin Hayes has he had does, a lot of while. What all right? What 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 he doesn't do well is kind of sugarcoat things. I feel like I mean, he doesn't manage his room the best. He's one of those like max effectiveness is the first three years kind of guy. Like like not quite John Tortorella, eighteen months of fire and fury. But kind of the the slightly slower burn version of that, where he's really at his peak effectiveness when the message is fresh. Right, I get that. It's it's tough to say. It's really tough to say because you got to factor all that stuff in. You got to try to see what you can get. And well, and we knew that when we hired him, right? We we talked about the fact. I believe we talked about it on the show that he reaches the conference finals or the cup final in his first year, and then never gets back there. Right, we talk about the fresh. And the fresh they didn't message. get that. They didn't even get that close. Okay, but then you but again, then you play the what if year. game. Right, that's not Elaine Vino's fault. He was doing the Elaine Vino thing. They were the hottest team in hockey, like we talked. Right. About. Okay. So, but it's so it's funny you bring it up that way because you're sitting here saying you play the what if game over his just his first season. I'm getting really tired of playing the what if game over everybody. I agree. Like, I don't need to go back to the trades that they made in 2013 or 2014 oh, no, or the signings not. that they made and say, what if this worked out or what if they got this guy? Like, I, I don't, don't even want to go back as far as like the Braden Shen trade. That's too far. Uh, no. Right. Like, like and you know where this really happens? It happens with the draft. It's the what if they take this? Because I'm not going to play. Like, I'm, I'm already tired of playing this game with the Nolan Patrick. Bro, I'm tired of hearing it, it about Alex Brinkat too. Yeah, but okay. So that one, okay. It Every makes a team little in bit... the league passed on him. It's not True. just the Flyers. It's not like they picked fifth and he went seventh. Like every single team in the league passed on him at least once. Well, because see, because this is what goes. This is where I go with the development thing again. You got to ask yourself. Like I was sitting there Monday night and people, and uh, it was brought up again because Kale McCarr scored a goal that was highlight reel variety. Sure, and hindsight twenty twenty, you take Kale McCarr there, but it doesn't matter. But now. do you, but do you even know if he's that player if he's being developed by this organization? That's true. Colorado develops players and gets him there. Like, let's put it this way. I even started to see people who, no joke, I started to see people who have gone in the direction of. Ivan Provrov was picked before Miko Rantanen. They could oh, have had Miko stop. Rantanen. Miko Rantanen. People didn't know what Miko Rantanen was going to be. Miko Rantanen also got gifted with two outstanding players next to him to boost his right. value Nathan pretty McKinnon quickly. Nathan is a top five player in the world. Some would argue a top three, depending on the day. No, don't, no, don't get me wrong. Playing with those guys gets you something. Like that It's going to you build better. your skill level because, it, yeah, absolutely it does. You and, get to watch and, those guys in practice all day, every day. But there's also a difference between, like, remember when Michael Roffle was a top-line player? I sure do. To, and next to guys like Drew. Who else did he play with besides Drew? Who else was it? Was it with Voracek, too? I guess it was with Voracek. It, Drew Voracek. Or, it wasn't Simmons. Nah, it wouldn't have been Simmons. Yeah, it was. If nothing else, was, Simmons was the other guy. I think it was most of the time it was Voracek. It, it All wasn't. right, but so. Okay. But my point, my point being, we sit there and say, 
oh, it elevated his game a lot at that time because they were really good, right? Obviously. Yeah, it elevated him from a 30-point player to a 50-point player. My point, though, is, is that he wasn't going to be the permanent solution there, and they never made him that. If you draft a player and say, listen, we're going to put you next to two of the best players on, on the team, best players in the world at the time, all that type of stuff, you're going to eventually, if you do it with some consistency like Colorado has, or even, you know, let's put it this way, David Pasternak was a late first round. I saw people talking about that because Pasternak went eight picks after yeah. Sanheim. They already needed a defenseman anyway. So, but, but again, you put Pasternak next to Patrice Bergeron, who, again, there's another guy who's eventually a Hall of Famer. And Brad Marchand, and you go, and it's not just about where they are as players at that time per se. It's, it's the consistency of doing it. It's that's your. How many years has that been the top line for those two teams? A long time. Right. So of course the player who came up basically. Right, but of course eventually they're going to get to a skill level that matches their line mates because it's done consistently. They've already got the talent. They've already got the talent to make it there. But then you keep them there. And even when they go through little droughts and don't score and have issues and things like that, you make up for it eventually. And guess what? They they become so good at their positions and and in their roles that they start educating the others and saying, like, hey, like second line guys, third line guys, this is how you get better. This is how you eventually literally this is how you eventually take my job. Like they set the bar so high for guys who want to be in that spot that it's come take my job then. And, and and the only way to do that is to reach a level that you haven't been at before. And the, and, and the thing is, the Flyers don't have a guy who's passing Claude Giroux to do that. So, Boston Bruins second line for the playoffs. <laughs> Charlie oh, don't, Coyle centering Taylor Hall and Claude Giroux. I think at that point, Claude Giroux would play center. I think they'd love it if I think they'd love it if they could move Charlie Coyle back to third line center. I don't know. I I think Claude's been so good on the wing. Okay, let's. Okay, I, I, like, I think he takes the draw, but I let's think Charlie this. Coyle plays. Let's do this one then. Let's do this one instead. Claude Giroux on a line with Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno. Oof, that's nasty. That's a whole that sounds lot of interesting. Nasty. That is a whole lot of nasty. I'll tell you what. I don't. And, and also Taylor Hall. I really hope. Okay, I really hope it's Colorado though. <laughs> Because I really don't want to have to get behind the Boston Bruins for a uh, playoff yeah, run. Man, you're not wrong. Give me Colorado. Give me Colorado. Give me. I'm trying to think of who else. What other team out there that was we were thinking hey, was a good fit? Hey, you ready? You ready? What? Left wing, Claude Giroux. Center okay. right wing. Matthews Marner. Eh. Stop. Stop. No, it's. I, I'm saying it's good. It's just I don't know if they. they or Tavares Nylander. is that better? Oh man. Uh huh. They could do whatever they wanted with it. I'm and trying to prob- think. Of- the crazy part is he's probably on their second power play unit. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Ridiculous. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anywhere else that he could go that would actually make a lot of sense like that, like that, where you think about it, it putting a team over the top. Calgary. I thought that for a second. I would. I could get behind that. Goudreau, uh, Monahan, Drew. Nah, because they'll keep Lindholm there. So he'll go. Drew will play with on the Kachuk. line with, probably with Kachuk and Mangiapane. Oh my god! Ooh. Oh my god! Mangiapane <laughs> scores forty this year. Claude Drew <laughs> and Kachuk on the wings. Oh god! Who wants to play against that team? 
I mean, even but even then, you know, who you're taking off of that line, you're taking Backlund off that line. Maybe he's a third liner on that team. Honestly, it probably is if you don't want to interrupt the vibe. I mean, I'd have to see. He's not. He doesn't play. By the way, he won't play with Monahan because Monahan kind of has been all over the all over that lineup. Just trade him to Tampa, and everybody's hitting one timers from everywhere. Oh God, <laughs> where would where would he even everywhere. slot in on Tampa? He would be third. Back, he would be Steven Stamkos when Steven Stamkos is hurt during the whole playoffs. Oh, that's not going to happen. I think Stamkos is good to go. I hope so. I certainly hope so. Well, anyway, all right, but never you mind. Prove it to me, Stephen. All right. Well, anyway, back to back to try to wrap this whole thing up and also yeah. get off of like everything. Like, there's so much to try to talk about. All right, how about we finish with two things really quick? First of all, being the fact that yes, by the end of this week, as much as we've been talking about this, they did win two games. They did and, win two games. And what's uh, and so what's next is, all right, you got your first back-to-back wins in like six weeks, something like that. It's close to. And I don't know. What do you do from there? You know, you've got the Devils on the schedule. You've got Montreal. You got Ottawa. The Devils are now one point ahead of you again in the standings in the same amount of games played. And then Montreal is ranked 31st and Ottawa is ranked 30th. And you just took care of business more or less convincingly. I mean, it was, look, was it the most sound sloppy? Right. Was it the most sound process? No. As a matter of fact, during most of the first period, as we were watching this 1-1 game, I turned around in my mind and I went, yeah, this looks like a game between two teams in the bottom quarter of the standings. It's exactly the type of game that that is played between two bottom eight teams. Sloppy, 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 right. sloppy. Now, that being said, there is something to be said for winning games. They'll take the uh, – as my take, my key phrase when I posted takeaways was, wins are wins at this point, and two after the brutal points. week that they've and, – well, and after the brutal start to the week that they had, they will take it. So yeah, and that's and that's why I think we're still kind of in wait and see mode here. If if they win six well, out of the next definitely. eight, maybe things turn around. If they I lose think the four answer, out of the next six, well, because here's here's also eight. where I'm at with this. You can let's make no mistake about it. You can beat New Jersey. You just actually have to have the effort. You can beat New Jersey though, and then you definitely can. If you can beat Arizona the way you just did, and hell, if you can beat Vegas the way you did in the middle of a losing streak like this, you can beat, um, you can beat, uh, you can beat Montreal and you can beat Ottawa. And what happens if you do all three and all of a sudden you just followed up the 10 game losing streak with a five, with a five game, game, game winning streak. Winning streak. Yep. And you weren't necessarily that far out of the race. Like this does a lot. That does a lot in, in a bunch of ways. And I'll, I'll explain first. It starts to, put some sense of confidence into the coaching change did a lot and Mike yep. Yo is all of a sudden the reason why like I don't I, I think that would be going too far you're I don't think it's bottom, that. no you're playing bottom feeders I don't think it's that but but that you know that that thought's going to come up well you say they're playing bottom feeders and you're not wrong they are but if you look at the last 10 it's a lot of really tough teams in there right it is you, well you lost to Tampa right. three times well all right and here here's here then here here's my point kind of the, the piggyback off of it you're gonna play those three games maybe you win all three now it's a five game winning streak now you're into a home game against Washington but but winning five games in a row builds confidence yeah so now all of a sudden maybe you come out I mean let's put it this way Vegas qualifies as one of those really good teams that was turning a sure. corner a little bit they're getting healthier. They, for goodness sake, did did I not read something about how Jack Eichel might be available in like early into the new year? <laughs> that quickly after having this surgery, oh. that like 
I'm not surprised because he wants to play in the Olympics real bad. Like something like that, or even by mid January or late January, that like the thought is he's he's already skated a couple times. He can join the team in like three weeks, and then the only thing he's not cleared for immediately is contact. They still have to figure out who they're trading. Well, that's true, but you get my point with that. Like my point being, even Vegas was turning a corner. You found a way to win that game. What happens if you go into a game against Washington and Pittsburgh after five straight wins? What do you do? And and what happens if you somehow find a way in both of those, and all of a sudden your ten game losing streak was followed with? I mean, literally you get to play, and then you get to play Seattle, who's not great. San Jose is who's not great. San Jose's okay. They're mid pack. LA is a little bit closer to the bottom. And you got them coming up, and then um, Anaheim's been better also, but they've kind of. But we're drifted. looking a month out at that point. We will. By the way, this is a good time to mention that we will be back next week. We will be back next week. We are back the, weekly here. The only the only curious ones we'll have at this point probably are, I mean, I don't know if we're going to do a show immediately after. Uh, I'm probably only if there's, like, really serious breaking news. But the day after Christmas probably is going to be, like, a take a break because there's not a whole yeah, lot to go almost over. Almost definitely, yeah. But yeah. We'll but be I, back at least, at least for the we'll, next couple of weeks. And we, and we will come we'll, – uh, that's basically next week and then a week off again. Next week. It's okay. This week, next week. It's no, but I, I, I wouldn't – I would go out on a limb and say we'll definitely also because – it's the day after New Year's Day, so it's not that complicated. The only thing that's gonna oh, be, we'll definitely do a show that day. The only thing that's gonna be complicated for me in that regard is going to be the fact that it is a ten thirty start the night before. So we might be sure re- is. we might be recording a little later. We might do the afternoon slot, and that's fine. We'll figure that out. Yeah, because I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna ten thirty is not friendly for me. I'm I am really thankful though that the ten like ten thirty uh, on a Thursday night comes going into New Year's Eve, so that this way you don't. There's no reason to be up for anything. But, yeah, I think we kind of set it a, a little bit of a oh, tipping point. All right, so one yeah. the, one more thing before we get out of here because I, I just want to uh, – I, I don't care that we didn't get to some of the tabs over here, but we got to get to this one. Okay. We've got to get to this one because it's too bags. good. No, not only that, but okay, so can I, can I, do, the, can I do the summary of the week as I, yeah, as, as I did as I did it on the air on Friday going into – because for what it's worth, when I went on the air on Friday, I basically said everything that goes into – I'd never say anything of this kind of confidence – on the air, like, oh, yeah, they, they're going to win tonight or they're going to lose. And I, I went on and basically flat out said, that, that I'll be shocked if they win tonight. Get ready for number 11. And then you've got Arizona. Maybe you can break it against Arizona, but I'm not holding my breath right now because they don't do anything well. Because they've been and, awful. Right. right they, they don't do anything soundly or, or, or well at all. And funny enough, what did they do well on <laughs> on Friday night? The power play got going. Power play was solid because the power play that night went two for three, and the and the one that they didn't score on the, the three was a five second power play because he took another penalty right after. Did we mention that Michelle Terrian got fired? Okay. Yeah, we did, right. and and just I know we did. I just wanted to make sure that we uh, brought yeah, that back again, here. like the magic beans that you grow out in back in the backyard, you know, that just suddenly produce a you know like all of a sudden produce power play. All right, so the week that was, you go out and you get totally embarrassed on Sunday night. Against Tampa Bay, we all feel like something's coming at this point, and then we wake up on Monday morning. Coach is fired. Okay, oh. Elaine Vigneault is out. Elaine Vigneault and Michelle Terrian, yes. Monday afternoon, there's a viral video that's going around the internet all over the place. I, I will, I for for our listeners, I will say it the same way I said it to be radio friendly on the air, <laughs> providing you with a literal dump and chase. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, listen. Their whole well, we found season. the episode. We found the title of the episode. Oh, what, literal dump and chase. Yup. 
Do, do you know what? Go, going into the week, you know what it was going to be called in my mind? Okay. It was going to be an early Festivus because it was going to be our airing of grievances. I got a lot okay. of problems with this team, and you're going to hear about them. I think literal dump and chase is the way we got yeah, it. Yeah, literal here. dump and chase is the way we'll go. All right. So, but all over the place, just right there, smack in the middle of center ice, right on the logo, a big message to Dave Scott and company. This is what your team is. <laughs> in case you, know. you haven't seen it, uh, a video surfaced of a. There were multiple, police, actually. Police dog, correct? Yes, there were, and there were multiple. There um, was. Who's on the ice and uh, decided he needed to relieve himself. Shall we oh, say? He took care of that all right. And you know what? Right on the center logo, center ice, and man, the metaphor was just, just, just chef's kiss. Just. Oh yeah, there was. It was so symbolic. <sighs> it was perfect. Um, it couldn't. It couldn't be any funnier. That, by honestly. the way, that by the way precedes the seven to five loss to Colorado later that night, which again, competitive game, fun game. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, okay, and then, mercifully, Tuesday was just a complete day off. Nothing happened. Nothing of note. Total day off. Big deep breath. Wednesday, Wednesday, you get that embarrassing three nothing effort in New Jersey, which totally shouldn't have been the case. Then Thursday comes, and that's where the banner comes from. Because Thursday, everybody decided after watching the game on Wednesday, hey, by the way, let's start a trend, and. The picture of the Flyer fan wearing the bag over his head started to go around. It started to populate uh, a lot of Twitter profile pictures. I got to say, not many of my mentions have it, though. There are some, but it's not nearly as populated as everybody else's. Wait until they lose three three in a row this week. They'll pop up. Don't you worry. Uh, oh, three, three in a row to New Jersey, Montreal, and Ottawa? Because here's the thing. We're at a tipping point. I think if the Flyers win two out of three here or get five points or like or go you know, on we start a, to make it a five game right, winning streak. Right. Or something like that. I think you see the team or the, the public sentiment kind of roll back around and go, all right, well, maybe we're a little bit back in this. If they lose two out of three or somehow manage to lose all three, things are going to get ugly. I, I what I this is a tipping point week for sure. Well, what what I keep wondering is is that is there a point in the middle of this that if it gets any progressively worse that it's not just Mike Yo that we're talking about and oh he he can't be the guy then they're going to have to hire somebody. Is it also Chuck Fletcher? Well, that's the thing Comcast Van, needs to decide. Vancouver you, Vancouver just Chuck blew Fletcher, it up. Right. Do you want Chuck Fletcher in charge of your next coaching process cuz that's the other thing. He's already got you locked up for two and a half, three more years paying Elaine Vigneault. What happens if you let him hire somebody and then in a year you decide to fire him? Are you also firing that coach? Are you paying three coaches? The thing, like Comcast the, has got to make a decision. But the, the, okay, and the thing that also makes no sense, or not no sense, but the, the thing that people may be overblowing here is they're not afraid to spend money. Oh, no, certainly it, it, no, not. Enough you of that. You still don't want to pay three, four million dollar coaches. Right? No, I agree with that. But I'm saying they're not afraid to spend money in the sense that, listen, your your franchise was just valued at one point two billion dollars. And you can make back literally you can make back the money that you need that you owe Elaine Vigneault on a couple of playoff games. You ready? Go ahead. Babcock. No, I was suggested to don't. No, I'm not. 
All right, listen. No, I do not want Mike Babcock. Okay, first of all, first of all, as much as I understand certain names that are mentioned, I'm also well, right. Like, do I get it? Sure, I do. And I don't think he's as bad as people think he is in terms of no personality wise. From a media perspective, you have to be begging for it. Come on. Oh, you'll get quoted. You'll get quotable. Please, the guy just turned around two days ago. I know. Awful take. And said that a guy pulling off that move wasn't is 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 as it's cool, but it's Trevor not Zegers and Sonny Milano team up for the, the for the goal of the year. At this the, point. year. the sickest goal of the year, maybe the sickest goal since Andre Svechnikov picked it up and did the Michigan. I don't, you know, okay. Do you want? Do you know why that bothers me? What was said, not the goal. The goal was cool. The goal was yeah. awesome. You know because why that John bothers Tortorella me? looks like an old man yelling at a cloud. The Simpsons. Meeting. No, because no, because I don't need Robin Leonard just sending random tweets at, in the middle of the night about how the Flyers still have a dinosaur. That's fair. Because that's exactly the type of description that you're getting. Like, I'm so like, the the basis of that take was that 20 years ago the guy would have gotten his head taken off. That was 20 years ago. Evolve, right. evolve or die. Thing. Right. You yep. know, and everybody's doing it, and you need that stuff, and this is what the kids out there are doing. It's what the cool. Right. It's what the cool kids are doing. Anyway, yeah, like, but this thing is this. First of all, this thing has been really funny because pretty much everywhere you go, there's just people with the bag picture. It's the bag. Yep. But but also the fact that now people are turning like, honest to goodness, I think I did see it somewhere that I don't remember if it happened before or after they beat Vegas. But someone turned around and said. If they do turn it around and, and it becomes a Saint, they Louis have thing, to give away bags at the first playoff no, game. No, it's not that. Someone turns around and goes. Is this is this their version of Gloria? Is this what that becomes if they do turn it around? Like some total gimmicky thing that just happened, this trend that happened, and all of a sudden it's the thing that everybody rallies because they are two and zero in the bag era. Hey Kevin. Hey what? Yeah guys, get the bag. <laughs> you know it's gonna happen. They're gonna do a cheesy video. Kevin Hayes is gonna be in it. <laughs> we all know it's coming. We all know it's coming. No, oh, jeez. All right. I think it's time I want to get I want to see if anybody really shows up to the game on Tuesday with with them. Oh, they absolutely will. I just need to they see They will if that get happens. taken they will get taken at security 100%. No, there's a, you can easily sneak one in. Oh, they'll be snuck in, but I'm saying you will also see tweets of people who got them confiscated. 100%. Fine, whatever. Someone you know what's going to happen also though? Someone's going to be able to get a picture. From where I'm sitting, a picture will happen, and if it uh, if it does, it'll be, it's still enough. Because I, I I even said this on the air. Stuff like this doesn't happen and go unnoticed. It, it, people at the top see this eventually. This is this is Jersey on the ice. This is yeah. rent out rent out the the plane banner. This is like this is up there with that kind of stuff. This is bad. Yeah. It's bad. This is Joe. This is Joe must go. This is like, <laughs> this is bad. Um, so well, so, there's the week. There's your week that was. It all, it could have been much worse by the end of it, but to start out with Sunday through Thursday was not a fun time. And no, it was not. But, it's why it's why I've started like truthfully. It's why I started to stay off Twitter when I don't like have to be. You know, like fair enough. When they like trust me, there's no better words to hear than like they played on Monday night. The coaching change happened. Tuesday was today off. You bet. You bet it is. You're damn right. It's a day off for me from this stuff. I'm not paying any attention to it. Oh, that's funny. But all right, 
uh, I think that's just about going to do it. We uh, we had a lot to cover, and I think we did a pretty decent job covering. The, oh, man, the last month has been crazy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, until then, we will be back next week. We will be back next week. I'm here to tell you that. It's going to happen. If something happens and Kevin's busy, I'll do it myself. We're, we'll nah, we'll I won't. upload next week. Nah, I'll be good for whenever. Okay. <laughs> uh, I will be on. And, I will be here next week for sure. And when that episode comes out, you'll be able to find it everywhere you found this one. YouTube, Instagram, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts. I'm doing this in a weird order. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> SportstalkPhilly.com. You can find it there, too. Make sure to follow Kevin over on Twitter at Kevin underscore Durso. Follow the show at YWT Podcast. Follow Sports Talk Philly at Sports Talk PHL and at Flyer Delphia. Is that it? I think that's just about everything. That's all the important stuff. Is yeah? Is that is that everything? I thought didn't you have something you wanted to do after all the? Yeah, I'm gonna send us to a wrap here and then. Um... Okay. But yeah, so that's just about gonna do it for this week, and um, I have a little bit of a sign off here. But uh, in the meantime, we'll see you next week, and thank you for coming okay, out. I'll do this first. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um. Basically, I just kind of wanted to address uh, the reason why we didn't do a couple shows. Sure thing. Um, my my grandfather passed on Black Friday, and we were kind of dealing with that in the weeks leading up to it, and then then in the weeks since, um, went to ended up going home for his funeral and missed the last couple of weeks. And you know, I lost my grandfather. I lost a big important part of my life, but also this show lost a listener. He he mm-hmm. listened every week. I would frequently get texts about the opinions I had on the show or things that we talked about or this oh, is funny, or, or maybe something funny. maybe something stupid i said in the process too no no he <laughs> oh. has i i wanted to tell you okay my grandfather loved you he, oh awesome your opinion your opinions were great he thought you were he, he's an extremely sharp young man <laughs> was a phrase i heard quite a lot and it, he really appreciated when you were on the ball and you were very frequently on the ball so <laughs> i will take um, that so yeah absolutely. I, I did just want to mention that that's kind of why we weren't here the last couple of weeks and the show lost the show lost a listener man. yeah the he very was, the very first the very yeah, first the very first week we didn't have a show was just kind of i think it was just you you, you had something come up and i to be honest wasn't heartbroken about Right. missing missing a show at that time it was because because it, it wasn't like anything was it bad was the at the time because it, 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 it was oh, no, they, it, it was the, you know oh, week off yeah well and you know no you know what it was too because i i didn't wasn't disappointed because that was the, a weekend back-to-back kind of like this one was and the dallas game wasn't very good and it was right after that so it was still mid-november at that point but we just kind of you know oh you know what else too i'll tell you why i wasn't heartbroken i remember now <laughs> i i I got the um I got I got the COVID booster earlier that weekend. Right, you were so, sick that weekend. So I wasn't necessarily sick. I actually wasn't too sick to do the show. But we were taking it easy. But it was nice to take it easy on Sunday morning and go. Hey, I don't have to get up. That's great. And then down the line, yeah, a couple like a couple more, you know. Then everything else with around Thanksgiving, all that type of stuff, and it was I just it was rough. And obviously, my thoughts <sighs> yeah. were with you that whole time and your whole family too, because it was just it was it was sad to hear. I saw I you kind of didn't you didn't text me right away, but like I saw it earlier on like earlier in the day on Facebook and it was because it was because it was everything all tied into one because it was post Thanksgiving. I was in the middle of an incredibly busy week in that regard. I didn't really do anything. I was and I was on my way down to the game, which is, as as you know, the Black Friday game. Very weird, very weird start times. So it's a little out of the ordinary. I think I saw it right after I got to the arena. 
actually. Yeah, I think I sent it to you pretty close to game time, honestly. Um, you text me close to, but I usually, like, I probably went down to the arena that day pushing 1 o'clock. Right. And in that case, probably didn't really open Facebook until then, right. I would say. So that's when I think I probably first saw it. And I kind of just knew already at that moment. I'm like, yeah, we're not having a show this weekend for sure. Yeah, no. And and I and then I knowing because we've also disclosed this on the show that you're not in the area anymore. You were for a long time. You moved out and right. are in the Illinois, you know, Chicago area, that kind of thing. So I'm like, that means there's also a trip home involved and 24 hours that, of driving in a four day stretch. And that's going to mean that a lot of stuff like they're going to first of all, it, first of all, if anything, it means that for services, there's time that needs to be bought for people to get back. So you're you're kind of holding that off a little bit so people can get into town, which means it's not going to happen until probably I would have guessed like was, mid mid to late week Friday. Yeah. Mid to like mid to late week. And I'm like, so that means that you're going to be home for the weekend. Let's we're, we're going to need a little bit of time, which was we which a was a couple of weekends off, which was week. fine, because actually, ironically enough, as, as timing would go. I wasn't going to be able to do a show on the fifth at least, you know? So ironically enough, like when you hit me with that, I'm like, listen, I didn't have, I was going to have to tell you this weekend, we can't do a show next weekend. Right. Or, or to, or to go out and grab somebody for, to fill in for one week. So it worked out, but we were, but yeah, definitely like was thinking about you and your whole family and stuff like that and just dealing with it. It's, you know, I, I haven't had to deal with something like that a lot lately for me it happened at a much younger age a lot um the only the only one that i only grandparent that i had left uh past uh the september of the playoff and was literally in the middle of the playoff series and like the closeness but the closeness wasn't as strong in that direction as it was with some of the others i had like the closest grandparents i had yeah the closest grandparents i had were for me were gone long long ago at this point i mean uh, at this point 20 years ago so but but i but i but but there's you know you never you carry it with you no matter how long it is so absolutely it is always it's still tough so and he was he was my number one fan in everything we did and we're gonna keep doing the show for him of course i am of course Well, and listen, uh, here's the thing. That's the point, too, is you, you don't back down from, hey, it's not looking so good right now and and not do this because there's not an element of fun to it. And there's not an element of, listen, it's still worth it to be out there and, and to give people what they want. And th- there you go. That, that I think that's a good way of putting putting a bow on this one. Let's let's absolutely let's put the bow on it and get out of here. Absolutely. And then we'll hit the music to get out of here. That's the way he would have wanted it to be. So, uh, let's give it. We'll let's give next, that music. We'll see you next week, guys. <laughs>